Hello, and welcome back to New Time Religion, a podcast about the church in this secular age, which is hosted by Dr. Andy Root and me, Derek Tronsgaard. And it feels good to be back. If you've listened to our show before, you might have noticed that we took some time off for the summer. I was busy being a pastor at the church that I serve and all of the things that go along with that. Uh, Andy was off traveling the world. He was writing and speaking and teaching, but we are back. We're excited to be back. We have some great episodes lined up over the next few months, and before we start, we first want to thank you all for tuning in uh, and listening to our show. We really, really appreciate it. And if you like what we're doing, we're also asking you a small favor, that maybe you could leave us a review on iTunes, or even better, you could tell a friend or two about our show. Maybe you could share an episode on your social media feed to help us get the word out. But again, we want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy listening to these as much as we like making them. So thanks. It's good to be back. And without further ado, here is today's brand new episode. So I have this weird quirk that I am not proud of. Uh, Once a month, I get together with some friends of mine who are also pastors, and we go out to lunch at this great Mexican joint. It's really a a fun time. We get together, we talk about our jobs, our families, we bounce ideas off of each other. But then there's always this moment in the lunch when our food arrives. And the waitress goes around, she gives everybody their plates, and then there's this awkward pause as we wait to see who's gonna pray for the meals. Now, I always get really weirded out when this happens, and I don't know why. Again, I'm not proud of this, because I pray all the time. I'm a pastor, I pray at work, I pray at church, I pray with my family at home, but when I'm out in public, I get weirded out by praying out loud. And I know that I'm not alone in this feeling. It's almost as if there's like this bubble in church where it's fine if we talk about God, if we talk to God, if we pray to God. But then when you get out in the real world, like that Mexican restaurant with people who maybe don't go to church, it's almost like there's something there. There's this thing that makes it feel awkward. It's disconnected. There's this tension. It feels weird. Well, as it turns out, there's actually a name this. There is a name for this system, for this tension that we feel in our modern age when we try to do things like pray or address God personally, or maybe when we wonder if our prayers even matter, if they're even being heard, if they even make a difference. The philosopher Charles Taylor, who we've been talking about a lot in this podcast, he calls this system the imminent frame. The imminent frame. It's this part of our shared narrative in society. It's a piece of our social imaginary. It's this thing that we as a society have all bought into, and it's pressing down on us more than we realize. And he calls it the imminent frame because we live in an imminent world. We put premium on things that are imminent, things that we can see and touch and feel and poke and prod and measure. And so those things like prayer, which are more spiritual, more religious, more mysterious, those things that aren't able to be poked and prodded, they stick out. 
In the imminent frame, they're disjointed. And because our world has bought into this idea of the imminent frame, and because that frame shapes how we see everything, things like prayer and other mysteries of faith feel weird. We have a hard time reconciling them in our modern world. And so on today's episode, Andy thinks that this is exactly the place where the church needs to step in. This is exactly the place for the church and our society going forward in this world that lives with the imminent frame. Here's Andy. The imminent frame, for sure, from his secularization stuff, is one of the, the biggest ones that come out. And his, his basic point is that we all now share a world where the overarching meaning system is natural material um, uh, or just natural as opposed to supernatural. Yeah. So that if you were going to go back to kind of medieval Christendom, the meaning system that you inherited, the, 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 the reality that kind of framed you um, would be a supernatural as opposed to a natural. And so we we kind of talked about that earlier, like the enchanted world versus yeah. disenchanted. And, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it, but for him, the imminent frame becomes a presumption. Like it almost becomes a reflex of how you would then assume even certain phenomenon that come into it, you know? So, um, I don't know, like you, you just, (laughs) here's a story. Like the, the, uh, the other day I was in my house reading and, uh, I get the, my dog barks and these two guys (laughs) come to the door and they're really nicely dressed and one's like up on the top stoop and the other's a step down and it looks like they have in their arms iPads. Okay. And they're very nicely dressed. And the first guy closest to me as I come to the door and I've like been reading and I've been reading like a book on Carl Part or something that I'm that I'm on this project I'm working on. And so I've been reading the, I'm reading this theology in the other room. I'm you know, you know, unkempt with a my hood a hoodie on You're and wearing your hat. probably. Yeah, 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 just yeah. <laughs> Sweatpants. And uh and the guy I come to the door and I'm like, Yeah, and the guys are like, Hi, we're just walking around and we have good news for our neighbors. Yeah. And immediately my mind goes to oh they've just installed like better you know wi-fi yeah. broadband Your cable just got 5g yes 5g is yeah. coming yeah. into the neighborhood <laughs> or there's a new taco well we do have a taco place down the street but there's yeah. like a new restaurant coming into town yeah. like all the senses of what is good news yes are all kind of natural material yes. economic advantage technological advantage. guess what we're getting an aldi yeah yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. um so and I think this is what he means by the imminent frame is that our imaginations, when we hear something like we have good news or there's peril before us or something like that, they always jump to kind of natural material realities. So what was know? the good news they were selling? These were Jehovah Witnesses. So they okay. were bringing actual, they were trying to bring something different than than the imminent they frame. They had supernatural good news. They had supernatural yeah. good news. Yeah. And here I am, the you know, the theologian reading Carl Bart in the other room. I'm like, yeah, guys, I don't have time for this. Like, I have other things I have to do. Um, but I, 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 found, I found it just really interesting for myself to think that, like, what, when I hear good news... I automatically think inside the imminent frame. I think yeah. it's natural material. It's something economic. It's something technological. Not that these could be messengers with a, with a word from God that changes, changes my life. So the imminent frame becomes... Um, this kind of, I guess, default way that we engage and interpret the world. So when we think of prayer next to that, 
it becomes really easy then for us late modern people who are invested in the imminent frame, and that doesn't mean that we've conceded to that, but it just it's just imposed upon us that it's really hard for us, I think, to pray and then not doubt our prayer, like to not actually think, man, this is really weird, and am I really an immature person who would pray to some invisible force and it would be there? And um, it, it just, I think it becomes quite difficult. And then even when we see legitimate answers to prayer, it's easy to doubt those too and be like, oh, I guess that was just the odds, or I right. guess it's Oprah's, you know, the un- <laughs> positive thoughts bring positive things. Like there's, we can we can go to multiple different kind of ways of doing it. Right. And, and part of Taylor's point is that these kind of questions and this kind of reasoning only really starts to come about in the Enlightenment and as an imminent frame starts to dawn because we start to feel more comfortable inside of puzzles than inside of mysteries. So even now when we say something like, we just don't know, like we just don't know all the particles that make up the universe. We just don't know. What that tends to mean is that we haven't solved the puzzle yet. Right. As opposed to saying, like, you know, a 6th century or 13th century Christian saying, we don't know how the bread and wine becomes the real presence of Jesus Christ or how it enacts the the crucifixion again. We don't know. In other words, it's a mystery that the human consciousness can never know. And the assumption was they would never, ever figure it out. Never know that it was just, it was too large of a reality for the human mind to ever comprehend. It was too great. Yep. Um, but now we kind of have this sense that everything is a puzzle or a riddle, and what's mystery is just what we haven't solved yet. Yeah. And so we feel more comfortable in that. You know, we, we feel more comfortable. We feel safer in it. But part of the problem with it is that it also undercuts – well, it, it, it shallows out the human experience in right. some ways too, that, that – if, if you'll never know, if there's some phenomenon in the world that the human mind can be encountered by but never comprehend, yep. then our existence and our experience is so deep, so overwhelmingly deep. Maybe so deep you can get lost in it. So over, Maybe so overwhelmingly deep that you can be overcome by it in a pretty scary way. But once you do away with that... Then there may be things we don't know, but it's it's shallow. Someday we'll 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 solve that riddle. Someday we'll figure that out if we can just get the the technology behind it. So you lose some of the depth of of the experience. And of course, in our common human world, anyhow, we don't necessarily believe that. We we do still believe more through the frameworks of art than of science that there are certain phenomena that we can never know. Right. Like you just can never really truly scientifically describe what it means for you to love your daughters. Right. You know, like you, just, you can talk about the endorphins in your brain and the hormones, but that doesn't It's so unromantic yeah. to do so. Like as soon yeah. as you start describing it in a kind of an imminent scientific way even it it loses like you've been evolutionary programmed to make sure that this organism can stay alive so that it can reproduce and like continue the species like it's tr- that's true right but it's, like yeah but you that lo- doesn't explain right the beauty of being a parent or yeah yeah and it almost yeah it loses something rich it loses yeah. the poetic element to it it loses the music behind it it loses um yeah, it just loses something beautiful I mean, it's one thing to pray and say, I pray or I meditate because I'm so overwhelmed with stress because of how frantic my life is that it helps me regulate so that I can, what, go back in and work harder so 
I don't have a psychological breakdown. All those things are, I suppose are positive. It's quite another thing to say, I pray because in praying, I am in communion mm-hmm. with this incredible long stream of others who've prayed that I encounter that Jesus Christ prays for me. Yeah. That when I pray, Jesus Christ prays for me. That the the living Christ is is there with me. It's a very different kind of referent. But even saying it, you kind of can feel the imminent frame pressing in on you and be like, yeah, but how do you know? Yeah. And yeah. um, you know, is that really true? Right. So part of the challenge of being a late modern person is that you can't pray not in the imminent frame. Mm-hmm. So you're always when you pray, you're always thrust into doubt. But it is an invitation to, I think, um, well, take what Taylor would call an open take to, 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 to make the confession that you think a living God can speak to you in this moment. And what would it mean for you to, to hang in in this space and try, try to even see your own life and have your own life read within that? Um, I guess, I guess that the, the, the point I was trying to make is that you could say this is just about regulating my psychological life, and that gives you a certain story. Yeah. But to say that when I pray, God deeply connects with me, and I'm connected to all these others, gives you a much deeper story to live out of. So... You know, you got this church that's full of people that live in the imminent frame. Right. And they're showing up every week and something's bringing them there. How, how do you how do you help people see God at work when they're so fully versed in the imminent frame? It's almost impossible to see beyond it. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the huge key in that is I think one of the reasons that most of us think that the imminent frame... Is all, or a closed take on the imminent frame is all there is, or why mm-hmm. we find that narrative more captivating or obvious is probably a better yeah. way to say it. Why we find it more obvious is because we never really get chances of narrating our experience because mm-hmm. we never get chances of telling stories about our day to day lives, yeah. and we never tell our we never are invited over and over again to tell our life story and tell our life story in a community. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is that so many people within our churches have such crazy, uncanny experiences. Yep. You know, like, yep. uh, I wasn't going to be able to go to college and, you know, I, I wasn't going to be able to pay my bills. And, and just at the last minute, my neighbor was willing to do this for me. Or, you know, all, all sorts of these stories of just-in-time things happening or something mm-hmm. that seemed impossible happening at a certain moment. But what it means to, to inherit and to... Um, live inside the imminent frame is that those experiences, there's very few places to hang those experiences. Right. The imminent frame is, a, is has these very, the, the walls we inherit metaphorically are kind of cinder block. They're very strong, but there's, there, but there, there's nothing to hang on them. You know, like they're, it's kind of cold and yep. there's, there's not a lot of, a lot of things to hang on, hang it's on. It's like them. you can talk about it at work, but then they're like, that's great, but we need you to get back to your expense reports or. Right. Yeah. Or you just, you, yeah, you maybe can talk to a friend about it, but you know, like yep. I, I always wonder, I don't think this is quite fair, but when people like, it's a very common thing to say in our culture now, like, well, that happened. Mm hmm. 
Like when something bizarre happens to you, you're like, okay, well, that happened. Yeah. And it's just kind of a funny, I guess, snarky way to 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 say something. But I also yeah. think it's a way of deleting uncanny experiences and saying, okay, I don't have to do the work of putting them into some coherent narrative in my life. Right. Like what what does it really mean? That yeah. just when you needed something to happen or just when you needed someone to be there for you, they were there for yeah. you. Yeah. What does it mean? Is it just is, – is this just some kind of algorithm and it just works out or is there a larger story to your life? Right. And I guess what I'm trying to say is inside of congregations, one of the great disservices we've done to people is we haven't given them these spaces just to say like this weird shit happened. Yeah. Like that was really good or was really bad or when things were really bad, someone was really there for me. Mm -hmm. And to start to say that all of a sudden you start to not only do you start to see a a certain flow to your own life story, um, which I think is a big step into the discipleship is how the flow of your life story interconnects with the life story of Jesus Christ or the continued um, act and movement of Jesus Christ that comes to us in incarnation, crucifixion and resurrection. But you start to also see that the, just the closed spin or the closed world structures of the imminent frame just don't necessarily hold up. And I guess part of my point about prayer is that prayer becomes a real concrete way for people inside the imminent frame to try on, to lean towards open takes inside of it. But that prayer, but see, for me, prayer is some of the classic prayers that we, you know, meditation, silence, we need that stuff desperately. But it also is the invitation to narrate your uncanny experiences or part of your life story and to be prayed for. So for someone to say, how can I pray for you Mm -hmm. in a church isn't just give me a couple data points so that we can say these. We pray because Jane has a hurt knee. We pray because, you know, she wants to go to this concert. We, you know, it, yep. it doesn't become just this. It all it has to be the invitation to tell a story, even yeah. a short story. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that opens it up. Well, I think the beautiful thing about that, too, is if if something weird happens to me as an individual, I live in the imminent frame, so I'm just like, oh, okay, well, you know, the probability that that happened was probably about, you know, 15%, so, like, I guess it's going to happen someday, so it happened, you know. Mm -hmm. But if you can have a community around you affirming your story and also saying there's actually more to that story, sometimes you can't do that by yourself and you need that you outside community to come in and speak into your own story because that's where meaning comes yeah. from is other people in relationships. Right, exactly. Right? Yep, like, yep, in narrating that with other people. It, that meaning comes in discourse and conversation. So you you don't really even have a life story unless you have someone to hear it and receive it and share it back. That's why in many ways there's something about shared narratives that – is a real manifestation of grace because grace is a gift received. And in some ways, receiving other people's stories or receiving someone hearing your story becomes a real act of, of, of grace. But it also, I think, definitely opens up this kind of imminent frame and, and gives us possibilities. New 
Time Religion is a podcast featuring Dr. Andrew Root, which is produced by me, Derek Tronsgaard. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes and tell a friend or two about our show. You can find more of Andy's books on his website, andrewroot.org, and you can order them on Amazon. His most recent series focuses on Charles Taylor's work in the secular age, and his new book, The Pastor in a Secular Age, is out now. New Time Religion is a production of the Alter Guild Podcast Network, and you can check them out at alterguild.org for more great shows. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time for another round of New Time Religion. <laughs>